Welcome to the Women Influencers in Business and CRE podcast. I am Veronica Malolas, CCIM, founder and CEO of Capital Stack Real Estate Group, a commercial real estate company serving the greater Orlando area. Today's guest is my good friend, Sarah Ware, founder of Ware Realty Group and current president of the Chicago Association of Realtors. We spoke about the importance of education, having good mentors that helped shape our commercial real estate careers, and how having a minority woman-owned business certification has helped in our advancement as businesswomen of color. Please don't forget to hit that thumbs up button and subscribe below. I welcome your comments and please share with someone who can benefit from this podcast. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Veronica. How are you? I am good. My goodness, it is so amazing that you are on our podcast today, especially because I know you're in Chicago and I am in Florida. You're an hour behind me. So thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate that. Thanks for asking. The pleasure is all mine. I absolutely wanted Sarah Ware to be on my podcast. So thank you for being here. I wanted to make sure that we have an opportunity for whoever's listening in to hear about your story, how you grew up in your environment, and how you got to where you are today. So please tell us. Well, like I said, good morning and thank you for having me. So the question, how did I come to this crazy world of real estate and now entering into the commercial space? So I don't want to go too far back, but it kind of ties into the entire story. So after high school, I did not traditionally go away to college. I ended up just going straight to work for a firm. It's now called First No, it's Chase now. But for those that may know, it used to be First Chicago. I'm kind of dating myself. So <laughs> went through the traditional working downtown. And, and it wasn't that I didn't go to college because I was anti-college. I loved education and was really good at school. It was just that we just wasn't, you know, I did not choose that just, you know, even though all my friends, but my parents didn't go away and not that a knock on them, but I just was like, okay, work or go to school. I ended up getting a job downtown in corporate America. And before I knew it, I was in my twenties, had been working downtown for some years and then stumbled across a real estate firm, a commercial real estate firm. And my friends were coming home from school with college debt. And I think I bought my first condo. I was at 20, it was either 22 or 23. While they had debt, I had assets. Sold the condo, made some money, bought another condo, made some more money, was a landlord, had assets. And I saw that real estate was a great avenue to make money, to create wealth, especially in the African-American community where wealth is, you know, it's a little harder just based on things, you know, just a lot of factors that come into play. So fast forward, working for a firm in commercial real estate, and I started to work on projects where in the inner city near where I grew up and close to where I lived at at that time. And commercial retailers would always do these demographic studies and they would come back and say, we cannot invest in this community because the data is telling us the median income is this and the the need is a footlocker and more athletic type stores, not necessarily food service or the higher end retailers, not necessarily high end, but the Ann Taylor's, Banana Republic, Trader Joe's, all those type of retailers that I 
traditionally did shop at. I just would leave my neighborhood to go. And I actually was perplexed. I said, hey, let's be the pioneers and let's go into this. And lip service, yes, we'll do it. I didn't have my license then. So this is in the 97. So I got my license in 1997 with the firm and started working in tenant rep off on the office side. And so still would I would nudge them like, hey, let's just, you know, let's just do a project here. Um, and they couldn't get their investors to agree that, but I didn't see the um the 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 type of gusto that I wanted to see from them. So fast forward, I ended up leaving the company and I said, you know what, let's start in residential housing. And in my, in my mind, I was like, well, maybe if I get into the communities, because I know the housing numbers drive retailers. And so if I could change the numbers or change the the narrative, so to speak, of the residential spaces, then they could say, hey, this is an area that has new development coming. We have housing and they make an income of XYZ and they live here, the need for the Trader Joe's, the Ann Taylor of the world is greater because they are shopping here, but going downtown because we all in the demographic study, they would also show how many of those would go downtown to work and leave the neighborhood. And that was like leakage dollars I would look at out of my community and saying, hey, you know, me, you know, thinking green, which is why I like young people and their ability to kind of think forward, say, hey, let's change the community. And so I left left corporate and jumped out of my jumped out and started with a broker. It was a small residential brokerage firm, but they were more developers. Stayed there for two years and then had a business partner and started my own company, 50% partner. It was called the Carter Ware Group. Fast forward, that company ran its course and then I just kind of started on my own into the Ware Realty Group in 2014, still residential mainly. So I started my business on the premise of residential, but even with both companies, we had certified our business as a minority and a woman-owned business in the city of Chicago because I had actually worked for a firm, Ray Chen and Associates, R.M. Chen and Associates, Asian, and I saw how he built his business around government contracting, and he was a great mentor to me. He's now retired. I speak to him, his daughter, who has now taken over the business, and I saw how he transitioned his company from working in government space, transitioning that on to his generational wealth, and how he's today is still an icon in the Asian community here in Chicago, just based on all the things that he built off of that. And not to say that I want to do that exactly, but I saw the admiration, the the admiration I still have for them because he trained me in effect from a business perspective because I didn't, you know, I didn't come from entrepreneurs. I didn't have that business sense. Um, But during the time I did go and get my associate's degree while I was working full time. And so um, it gave me a nice, you know, nice background because I was one that always liked school. Fast forward company number two, which was on my own. And I said, can I take a deeper look into what these numbers look like in the community as we're realty group? So you know, me still not knowing too much and just the residential space went and um, just had conversations with those in the brokerage side because I had relationships still and discovered like, hey, I can start my company on the minority side and figure out what the brokerage need is there. And so I started my company as a residential firm, but with the intent on going after government contracts, partnering with larger firms, i.e. commercial firms. So 
Today, I partnered with JLL, CBRE, and CBRE. The funny part is they ended up buying the firm I used to work at, the last firm, U.S. Equities. They sold that firm to CBRE, so I knew all the brokers. And so the introduction was minimal because it was very few brokers I didn't know. So that's one thing that I kind of, I look at young people and they all, you know, everybody now wants to start their own business, which I don't have any, you know, I think that's great. But I think my corporate background really helped me and my corporate connections, because I know people say, oh, when it's my company, I'll show, you know, I'll get up early. If it's my company, I'll do this. My habits were formed very young. In high school, I got up early. After high school, I got up early. I've always worked out. So those are things that I always did, still do. Um, and I think that has, has helped me be motivated because in real estate, I don't care what avenue, commercial or residential, you have to self-motivate yourself and you have to kind of like every day I have to figure out how am I going to make money? So Sarah, how did you get sort of connected with the local commercial brokers in Chicago? So when I tried to weave my way into this commercial space, I knew that A, there weren't a lot of people that looked like me and B, women were far and few between as far as I wanted to reach out for mentorship. So fortunate, I worked in the commercial space um, and had colleagues that I could reach out to. So when I was looking to change my company as far as the name and the the, the value that I was going to give, I thought about government contracting because I knew that working at U.S. Equities, they had a firm, they had a department that specialized in governmental contracts. And so I kind of knew the under the background of that. And I worked for a firm previously, R.M. Chin and Associates, that was very government contract driven. And he is was a mentor, is a mentor. He's kind of showed me the ropes and just working for him, I learned a lot of the paperwork, which um, which entails a lot from the government space. So the good thing about it is there was not a large, a huge learning curve. It was more of just trying to understand from the brokerage side, because I was always on the, the employer side looking at subcontractors. So because of this, when I left to start resident, my residential firm, I started getting getting certified as a minority and woman-owned business and looking for contracts that had any type of residential brokerage or any type of brokerage period. And so with that, I would market myself to the CBREs of the world because they had purchased the firm I worked at. So I knew the brokers there and going to network with the city and some of their organizations as far as outreach events. And I found that the commercial brokers really valued the information on the multiple listing service, the data. So based on the rules of how you get the MLS and without getting to all that, they don't have that based on the number of licenses that they would have to buy. So So I think people market themselves like, hey, can you mentor me as opposed to this is the data I have to kind of augment on the service that you have. So because of that, I begin to get began to get included on a lot of contracts. And from that, from a woman's standpoint, they need at least 5%. And from a minority, it was 25%. And so people say 5%, 25%, that may not seem a lot, like a lot, but 
anyone in commercial knows, like I just did a deal and it was for a housing authority and it was for a 15,000 square foot lease for 10 years. And so when you do that math and you say, oh, 25% of the gross commission or 5% of the gross commission, and I got the hang, I got the swing of that. So the, all the contracts are not the same, but in addition to the residential knowledge, I I use it from a consulting services piece. So the the comparative market analysis and things that that I was doing on the residential side, that is data that is golden for commercial brokers because they take the commercial data along with the housing data and they mirror that. So instead of me saying, hey, we need to invest in these urban communities because of this, 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 when you show data points to say, you know what, this they were selling homes for two, three hundred thousand dollars. But guess what? Now we're at the four hundred thousand dollar mark. We're going up to five hundred thousand, and you have the actual data to prove it because census data is not annual. And so when you have real time data that is proven and can be backed up, then they'll say, "Oh, okay, this is the type of these are the buyers that's moving into this space in this quarter lacks this." And now with RPR and some of the other tools, and so I've just kind of segued my way into doing that. Now, from the volunteer space, because I also use that as a way to get my name out there and companies like people that are driven from giving back, whether that be from your industry, from the community. And so I was in all of that. And that's how we met. You were giving back. You were chair of a National Association of Realtor Committee. I was your vice chair. And so I learned from you and you have bigger conversations because I think you kind of sparked the CCIM because I think you are you had either just gotten it or about to take the test. And so understanding that and then from the woman's perspective, especially not seeing a lot of us in the industry. So I definitely appreciate that. And then I can call you when I have questions. And so I kind of continue that moving forward. And that's kind of the, the, the segue how I got from residential into commercial. Now, I will say that I was both out straddling both fences and everyone in commercial was like, why are you doing that? Just you just have to let it go. And so there's a mindset shift that has to happen. That's right. Until you do that, because it's almost like you have a crutch. And so I literally just like in the last 90 days, finished up my last residential transactions. I'm going to make a concerted effort just to do only commercial, taking the residential taking up my website. It's not a a negative against them. It's just that I have taken like, you know what? I want to do it full time. I want to go all in. And once you make the decision to go all, when I want to go all in, then I'm, I'm there. So I'm there now and I'm I'm excited. Yeah. Congratulations, Sarah. My goodness. Maybe one day I'll have a red pen like you. You will, will. but yes, it is a difficult transition from residential to commercial because I came from that background as well. I I remember you telling me it's longer. You get paid more, but the transactions are longer. And that's right. You know, it's, it's, yeah. So thank you for that. And thank you for kind of continuing to tell me some of the tools and tricks and things. It's, it's a big decision. Right. Because you have to be so prepared to do that. And that being said, what kind of challenge do you think that you can talk about that maybe is forefront on your mind and that perhaps you've overcome or maybe you have an idea of how you can overcome it? Well, I mean, overcome, overcame, that's the hope. But there's still a challenge of women in commercial real estate. There's just 
not a lot of us out here. And then women or people of color across all ethnicities, there's just not a lot. So just trying to, um, I think as the saying goes, when you see people doing, you emulate them. And it's been open arms, um, but the challenge is A, you know, depending on your living situation, can you afford to take longer for transactions? And, you know, depending on what type of um, support you may need. So residential was always consistent from the standpoint, there was there was more fish that I had to choose from. Because commercial, even from the government standpoint, it takes, like I, I've been on deals that could take a couple of years to get paid. So, you know, the payout may have been great, but it takes, it does take longer. And so we have to kind of prepare yourself. So you have to really get your business in order from all aspects, especially from the financial side. Great. And so you are the president of the Chicago Association of Realtors, correct? Yes. Is, did I say that correctly? That or is, is it Chicago Realtors? Is, it's Chicago Association of Realtors. Chicago Realtors can, can be recognized, but the full name is Chicago Association of Realtors, or as some people say, CAR, not to be confused with C-A-R, which is California, and they are very distinct in the separation of the two. So I brought that up because, number one, you did allude to the fact that your volunteer positions has actually helped your career. Yes. But more than that, as you know, the podcast is entitled Women Influencers in Business and CRE. And in your leadership position, I'm quite sure that you're a big influencer in at least that community. So can you talk a little bit about your thoughts on, for instance, realtors that are maybe in the residential space that have kind of tapped you and and how challenging that is to kind of send a message and how you've influenced that outcome? So an influencer, wow, okay, I can say I'm an influencer now, perfect. But part of the the gift and the challenge is we have 17,000 plus members. And so I live in the Chicago bubble. So, and I've attended many industry events and I look at the other associations. I'm like, oh, like they may have 2,500, less than a thousand. And I'm like, okay, so Chicago, that that's an honor actually to represent that many people. But with that, people are always asking, hey, I want to do commercial. Hey, I'm trying to do this. And I think that's great. But I just tell everyone, immerse yourself into whatever you are trying to do. If you're trying to get into the residential space, get into it, like get underneath it, understand it, make a business plan, understand the financial modeling, understand your numbers from a monthly basis. If you are trying to get in the commercial space, yes, I was doing both at at one time. The difference is that I was doing it from a, um, I had like a uh, a mentor when you do it from the government contracting space because you have the larger firms as the prime. So I had their back office helping me, giving me the insurance on the background because sometimes you may get someone that says, hey, can you send me a letter of intent? You know, government, they usually make their own, they have their own attorneys and arm yourself with the team around you, just like residential, you have to have your team of people and commercial, you have to like the regular inspector from residential may not work for your commercial space, your, you know, you have to get architects, engineers, understand zoning laws, get in touch with the local official. So there's a lot of pieces. And the reason I say volunteers help me is because 
realtors understand what the value of getting in touch with your elected official and the community because we're good at that. So I think that's actually I've been told by a lot of governmental agencies because when I walk in the room, I may know the people already in the room. And that has helped me when we go after bids. They see my name with the firm. And so they have and and that's why I've been asked to be partners with them. So it's not just a simple okay, I want to get a commercial, let's do it. But what else are you doing around that to kind of set yourself up to be successful? Because uh, you have to look at it from the long-term effect. And so it's not an overnight because I think they people see, they may look at you and say, oh, Veronica, she's doing great. But Veronica says, let's look back at these last 10 years where it took me to get here. And that's I think right. that's the important message. When they say it's not a marathon, it's, a, I mean, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. It, it can't I mean there are some times where you can get to places quickly, but understand that you have to put in the work. That's and right. No way around it. Correct. And like, for instance, for you, you have a corporate background. And so yes. for at least most of the people that or most of the women that I have spoken to who transitioned into commercial real estate, that really helped. And I wanted to ask you a yes. question about your associates. So, and, and you've actually finished yeah. your undergraduate degree. Yes. Is it in business? Yes. Is it? So it's in interdisciplinary studies. So my associates was in business and I made the decision to finish. It wasn't that I felt like I needed it to move on as a requirement, but I would be in rooms where I think I just placed it on myself. And I think, I don't think they were making a, a, assumption about me. I think I, it was more because I think we're harder on ourselves than anyone ever. Yeah. But I would just cringe because, you know, the question would be you in a room for people, oh, what school did you graduate from? And I'd stutter and I make up this whole story and they'd just be like, relax. I, you know, it was just, a, it was just, just normal question. So when I got out of my own way, but then I looked at it as, you know what, I want to learn some more during COVID. I just wanted to take the time. And I think that's a, a time that people can mirror that. And I think with the residential market shifting, that's when I think people need to get their education, understand what their market is, just just doubling down on marketing, education. And so during COVID, instead of me just looking at it as a vacation, I said, you know, let me, how can I be useful during this time without, feel like I Accomplish, feeling like I accomplished something. And so sure. I researched that. And then some of the, um, it ended up, it was on, it started out online and then it ended up being in classroom. And I was doing it while I was par- partially, well, I was on the leadership line. So I'm going in between uh, meetings and things that I'm going to school, like writing papers every week at the mid-year conference, writing papers at night. Yeah. And so when I finished, it was just a sense of accomplishment. And, and I learned a lot that I can apply to my business because I had to under a minor in marketing and just looking at the why market, because I think people look at social media and think that's marketing. It's a piece of your marketing plan. That's right. So finding that out and just thinking of ways how I want to take my business forward. I'm excited about that and looking to learn more. Yeah, that's great. And that actually is a great segue to asking you about if there was one piece of advice that you could give to the listeners, what would that be? I would say always put yourself, always continue to learn. You know, even though I graduated, I've taken the CCIM 101 class. I plan on taking 102 because I 
I think actually it's an honor because you have to pass one-on-one. So I said, why let that go to waste? That's right. Always, always look for something to learn. And with the way tools are now, whether that's a podcast, listen to your podcast, listening to just keep your mind sharp and fresh on things that you're trying to do, because you can always pick up one nugget. Oh, absolutely. That's really, really great advice. And it seems as though that education is only for the young, but we have both proven and so many other women. And we're not, we're not old. We're just not as young as we used to be. (laughs) I love that. Absolutely, Sarah. And I totally agree with you, especially because I'm much older than you. So I love how you phrase that. Yes. But we've come to that part of the podcast where I, pass on the mic to you. Okay. And you had a question for me. (laughs) So let's get right to it. The question I wanted to ask you, because you've been around commercial for quite some time, especially earning your CCIM and looking to teach others. What are some of the things that maybe the industry can do, or we as women can do to help change the face of commercial real estate? What a great question. And I really did spend quite a bit of time thinking about that. So as we both know, and hopefully most people might know or might not know, generally speaking, in the workforce or the labor force, there are 50% women who are in the labor force. Now, in commercial real estate, there's probably about 30% or even less than that. And most women are actually more involved in retail than they are in the other disciplines of commercial ah, real estate. Interesting. And yes. And so, for instance, and, and this is a loaded question, right? Because yes, it yes. takes a village. As a matter of fact, I think that there are many industries in commercial that are actually diving into diversity, equity, and inclusion, not just to include, for instance, women and getting them more on the founder side or the C-suite side of, of the industry. But frankly, I think there are many, many associations or organizations that have been advocates for women in commercial real yes. estate. And of course, the yes. first one that comes to mind would be CREW, which is commercial yeah. real estate women. And of course, the other big organizations like, like CCIM and SIOR, RLI, we see a lot more women that are getting involved. But if there was one idea that I pondered on just last night about this topic, I really, really think that if there was a bigger effort to change the mindset of men in our industry, in other words, if we were to connect more with them, that instead of, of really just concentrating on getting more women involved, maybe there has to be some kind of conversation that we have to have with the men in our industry so that they can understand why we're advocating so much for more women to be involved and perhaps particularly, at least from my end, minority women. Yes. Because it's not about us, but it's more about the communities we serve. Correct. They are different. That's All the communities right. are different. Correct. And I really, really believe that we really need to get men in our corner a little bit more. 
And the only way that we could do that is to have more conversations with the men in our industry, the decision makers, those that are willing to open doors for people like you and me. And we've been blessed. I've been blessed. Both of my first mentors were very, very big names in the industry with CCIM and RLI, namely Robin Webb, who was past CCIM Institute president. He was my mentor. And Ben Crosby, who was also, is not only a CCIM, but also an ALC accredited land consultant. Oh, nice. One of the largest land brokers, at least in the Southeast region. And they were always so willing to open doors for me or help me to get through some of the challenges that I had when I was first starting my commercial real estate career. As a matter of fact, I do intend to bring them on to this women's podcast. Yes, absolutely. I can't wait to hear it. Yeah. And, and you know, we also need to understand kind of what the men's mindset is. Yes, exactly. Because they may be thinking something that and we're, we're attacking one way and they are thinking another way. And that way, if that's, we're on the same page, it's like, oh, okay, now we can come together and kind of unite. So that would be my answer to that very challenging question, Sarah. I yep, think, Thank you. I, I appreciate that. I think that when we engage a little bit more with the men in our industry, I think we can learn a lot more and perhaps have that conversation that hopefully will impact the outcome that we seek. So I really want to just thank you, Sarah, for, for being such a wonderful guest. I love your thank story. You. Thank and you. by the way, I didn't want to be remiss and not mention that I, too, just a few months ago, got the certification for women-owned and minority-owned company. So you know, because so when happy. I saw that, I said, I think that's her company because you, you, did you switch? No, I built my company two and a half years ago, Capital Stack Real Estate Group. So we are a full commercial company. I have a team of seven. Nice. And yeah, and we are two and a half years in the business, but we are growing and certainly have many, many big dreams and hopefully, you know, some expansion going on. So yes, yes so very excited. Expansion about and collaboration. Correct, correct. Absolutely. So I just want to thank you. I know you're so busy and and I'm so looking forward to seeing you in the next couple of days because we're both on the leadership week with the National Association of Realtors and you are a liaison. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Big role. So I look forward to it and, and I hope to see you soon. Thank you so much, Sarah. All right. Thank you.